Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's a common misconception that therapists have their shit together and all our relationships are perfect. Which is total bullshit. I'm Vanessa Bennett, licensed therapist. I'm John Kim, licensed therapist. And this is our story. I want to say first that I'm proud of you for um, being creative, for um, having writing structure in your life, right? Which is kind of new. I mean, I guess you had this in grad school, no? Oh, the way that I'm structuring it now? Yeah. I mean, it it was a process in grad school to figure out when I feel the most creative and then just to harness that to just play into it. Yeah. But when I met you, um, you didn't have this kind of writing structure or did well, you? When, were you, were you writing in the morning? Oh, I guess your thesis. Yeah. I was finishing my thesis when I met you. I was almost done though. So I'd already kind of probably been, I was probably coming out of that hole at that point. Are you typing as we're talking? No. Oh, I thought you were typing. I was going to say it's very rude. <laughs> Not just to me, but whoever's listening. Um, so there were stretches where you didn't have a writing structure. There were stretches where um, creatively you didn't know how to express yourself. Uh, and now I feel like you have grabbed the, the bull by its horns. And, um, you know, you just had a reading where the uh, tarot card reader pulled out uh, the creativity card and drawing boundaries around creativity. And so watching you execute that and uh, implementing that into your life is uh, I'm not only proud of you, but I'm super excited to see what comes out of that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank I really you. mean it. Yeah, well, can I say that I, I think that that was one of the reasons why you came into my life, actually. I think that... Um, mm. I went for a lot of my life without expressing my creativity. Um, you know, writing was something I really loved when I was little and then it kind of fell away. And um, I think I lost it, you know, for yeah. a big part of my life when I was like in the grind and living my angry early 20s life. And um, I think that part of you coming into my life was to like remind me how important creativity is and remind me how much I actually enjoy writing and that I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> Yeah, you are. You know, I think this the one of the most saddest things on this planet is wasted talent. Um, mm -hmm. People Great. who, people who have a gift, uh, kind of know it, and people that uh, you know that the, like their friends are telling them they should do more of it, and they just don't because of fear, and that that gem never surfaces. Right? We never. The world doesn't get to experience that gift, and I think that I think that's sadder than like just starvation and and sickness and you know all the all the, the the stuff that's going on in the world because um 
I, I don't know. For me, that is like, that's so sad. So um, with you, I, I think you are um, a powerhouse writer that is that that ha- I mean, you're on your way to polishing your stone and, and really, you know, uh, donating this gem to the world. But um, I think before uh, you weren't actively doing that. So you were in corporate, you were doing other things. But um, and of course, grad school m- might have been the beginning of that. But even in grad school, you know, you wrote assignments because you had to you, you didn't have the freedom to write whatever you wanted and in the way that you wanted. Yeah, but I, I still I think one of the things that grad school helped me realize and just know about myself is that, you know, I did a video about this a long time ago, but this concept of externally versus internally motivated and how people typically do fall into one of those categories, neither is right or wrong or better or worse, but we really need to understand which one we are so that we can harness it. Um, Whether it's about, you know, a personal creative pursuit like writing or, or whether it's about, I don't know, getting shit done around the house, um, like day-to-day stuff. I think it's important for us to understand which one of those motivating factors we kind of embody. Um, and so for me with writing, knowing that I am actually very externally motivated and, and that might've been kind of partly cemented because of being in corporate, you know, during my formative, all of my twenties, early thirties, I need deadlines. I need structure. I need somebody else telling me like, okay, this is due on this date. Um, get it to us no matter what. And that actually helps me. I don't know. I don't know if it's a safety thing. Like there's a container in that for me. Like you do really well with kind of being a kite. That's just kind of like no string floating around, but I think I actually need that string. I need somebody on the ground with two feet holding me, um, to give me, safety, a sense of safety in order to actually execute my creativity, if that makes sense. You need a controlling boyfriend. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, when you say externally motivated, what do you mean by that? Because that could be misinterpreted as you seeking things, uh, you know, uh, 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 superficial things or, you know, like, like motivated by money, motivated by, you know, something that is superficial. That's not what you mean by external. Well, I mean, sure. It can be superficial. Like money can be a motivator for a lot of people. Um, and I don't know that I would call money superficial for somebody like me who has a very, uh, survival based relationship with money because I grew up with none money actually is a hundred percent a motivator for me. And I'm okay with that. I don't judge myself or shame myself for that being a motivator. Um, I just acknowledge it as such and then use it to fuel myself. So I don't think it actually matters what your motivation is, as long as you're using your motivation as fuel um, to get done what you have to get done. So when I say externally motivated, I mean, yeah, exactly what it sounds like things outside of self, right? Mm -hmm. So deadlines, um, people who I owe something to, um, you know, it's like putting for me, it's okay. Something stupid like this, like putting a client, um, a client session on my calendar, let's say at 9am for me, that helps me get up, get ready, get my day started because I have to be sitting at my desk at 9am to see this client. Right. So if I didn't have 9am client there, I might be sitting in my pajamas until 11 a.m. I mean, I have a baby, so not really. But do you see what I'm saying? Like, I need that in order to keep myself motivated to get things done. I get what you mean by external. Um, For for me, it's different. There's an internal calling that gets me up sometimes, you know, at five and I'm in the garage uh, just typing away or or doing something, recording. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's not coming from a schedule. 
but I am also, um, I could see the motivation with money. I mean, I definitely, um, any kind of reward, you know, uh, that is definitely going to motivate you, you know? So that's fair. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I am envious sometimes of people like you who are internally motivated because to me, I look at that and I think, oh, it's just like passionate and I can see the passion in your creativity and, and it's like, you do it because you just have to, not because anybody's, you know, wanting anything from you. Uh, and for me, I could fill that time with lots of other things that quote unquote need to be done versus allowing myself to be creative or to work out or whatever it is. Like, that's why I schedule classes to work out because that gives me that motivation to get my ass to the gym or to yoga or whatever, because if I cancel it, I'm going to get charged. (laughs) Right. Right. So part, part of this also is the introvert extrovert, because I've been doing this since I was seven. Um, Mm -hmm the introvert in me gets filled when I sit in my garage and I play with my Legos going alone, right? mm-hmm. alone. Um, that fills me up for you. That might feel like work, right? You, yeah. um, going, fair, yeah. going to class or even when you were in corporate, the meetings, doing things in groups, like all of that f- f- filled you up for me. That's like, Oh, that's like work. Uh, mm-hmm. me being alone where I could just get lost in my own creativity to me is, like I, I can't imagine, like I need that to live, you know? And so yeah. um, when I was younger, that came in the form of Legos and uh, building. Uh, I used to sit in my backyard in the dirt and build these elaborate tracks for, uh, they were they were called stompers back then. They were little trucks that you, um, that you just turn on. And I would build these like, you know, the roller coaster type of dirt tracks where these little cars would go. And I would spend hours doing that. Um, and today, instead, and then I got into models and building models and cars and airplanes and all that. And today, uh, as an adult, it's um, it's uh, writing and podcasting and doing videos. And I, I mean, I could literally do it for four or five hours, and it'll feel like twenty minutes because I'm by myself creating. I'm smiling, thinking about you spending hours in the backyard making little tracks for your trucks. It's an adorable, uh, adorable I love, image. I loved it. <laughs> Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. You know, I, I think that this conversation, I feel like, came up pretty fluidly, but I, I do feel like I've worked with a few clients where um, this kind of, uh, way of structuring yourself or, or rather categorizing yourself can be very helpful if you're in a place where you feel stuck. Right. right? And I think stuckness shows up in a lot of ways. There's a lot of reasons for stuckness, but, but one of the ways I think that we can attempt to unstuck ourselves is to stop beating ourselves up for being the way that we are. And rather just say like, okay, this is how I am. I realize that this is 
how I'm motivated. And so how can I harness it? Right. Right. So if, if you feel like you want to work out more, but you can't get your ass off the couch, sign up for something like class pass where your ass gets charged $15 for no showing on a class and see how much more motivated you are. And if that helps you, then you start to realize you're more externally motivated. Then you can start putting that kind of structure into your life in other ways. Right. So it really just becomes, I think a good tool, um, yeah, to keep you moving in whatever area you feel like you need it. It's so much easier to use um, how you are as leverage instead of changing you. Right, or wishing you were something else, right? Right, so so comparing yourself to other people. And mm-hmm. just because, you know, me, me and Vanessa were a good example of this. If she was to try to change her um, routine and structure based on how I maneuver, which is more internally motivated, that's not going to work for her. Mm-hmm. That's going to be you know, another mountain to climb. And then if I was to uh, try to structure my uh, productivity based on, you know, calendars and, and, you know, the way that Vanessa works, um, that would just bring me anxiety. So. Yeah. And it just brings up a lot of like shaming and like wishing you were something different and, oh, this is better. This is worse. You know, it's like culturally, we put so much more emphasis and and praise on an extroverted personality because, um, you know, we're a very like egotistical, individualistic kind of get shit done culture. And so we put so much more emphasis on like somebody who's, you know, outgoing and personable and has all these social connections and can get up and speak in front of a room and take charge and all these things. Um and that's bullshit. It's no better than an introverted personality, which we need just as much as extroverted, but it, it helps us to kind of take the shame, I think, out of it when we just look at, oh, this is just how I am and that's okay. Right. How do right. I use it? Speaking of writing, um, this podcast, It's Not Me, It's You, uh, was recent, recently sold uh, uh, to Harper One, Harper Collins slash Harper One as a book. And so the reason why I started this podcast saying uh, to you, I don't, sometimes like I, sometimes I talk to you directly, which I should, and then I know there's an audience. So then I have to refer you to Vanessa. Um, the reason why I started this conversation is because um, you were uh, writing this morning. And so what Vanessa is yeah. working on is, uh, what I'm working on as well is we are working on a relationship book uh, that is based on this podcast and our, our story, our banter and, um, our explorations, revelations, all of that. Yeah. I mean, it's exciting. It's, um, it's exciting too, because I I'm enjoying the back and forth nature of the writing. Writing is a usually a very solitary endeavor, which is partly probably why I've struggled with doing it, um, in the past because I am so extroverted, but I, I like this format that you and I have going, which is like, it's very conversational almost. It's like your section, my section, your section, my section, we play off each other. Um, you know, then we come together and do sections together and there's something really fun about that. And I think it'll be fun for the reader too. Like even people who don't know us, I I feel like we'll enjoy, I think we'll enjoy the flow. I hope. What was your biggest fear when this happened? So when it was cemented that, um, you and I are going to officially write a book together, uh, both of us had fears, right? There's no way that we are um, not, you know, based on who we are, our story, our insecurities, you know, whatever our wants for ourselves. Um, there's no way that the things aren't going to come up. So for you, what was your greatest fear with this project mm-hmm. and what still may be, or if you want, I can go first. I don't know if it was like, uh, I don't know if there's like one greatest fear that stands out or if it was more just kind of like 
some simmering fears around, um, you know, you and I do a lot together. Um, we work really well together, which is not surprising to me. I mean, when we've had our charts read in the past, that's actually the, the specific area that you and I work best together is in work, um, Mm -hmm. in creation of things. So we, we work a lot together. We raise a child together. We both work from home together. Like we do a lot together. Yeah. And I think for me, um, because I am extroverted, I need a lot of like other people in my life. Like I, I've never been the kind of person who like the, the relationship, um, is my only thing. Right. Right. Like it doesn't, let's say the relationship fills me up 70% of the way, but I like need that other 30 of other people being alone, doing my own thing, traveling by myself, like without my partner, like all that stuff has been very important to me my whole life. So I think for me, there was some fear around, oh, there's another layer. Like now we're doing this other thing um, that's going to, you know, keep us working together constantly. Another fence. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For me, um, one of the things is this is my first book that I've ever co-written. And there's a side of me that was very, um, it's almost like a director who directs movies and then he is now going to co-direct the movie and there's all this anxiety. And part of it is ego, right? Part of it Mm -hmm. is like, oh, I want control of this. I don't want someone else's opinions. Um, And then to see, you know, this is my fourth book. So knowing that it's going to be written by John Kim and Vanessa Bennett. um, I mean, if if there's anyone, it would be with you. But uh, I don't know. It's just just weird that it's not my book. It's our book, you know, so letting go of that. And one of the ways that I was able to let go of that um, or still am is I I asked myself, okay, if I'm going to write a relationship book, which I was going to like that was one of the things I, I i was going to do before i die because i talk about love and relationships so much um i was originally going to write a relationship book called love hard um and i said to myself uh would co-writing this with vanessa would that make it a better book and and to get really honest with me you know like if i wrote a relationship book by myself would that be a better book than if vanessa and i wrote a relationship book together um, knowing, you know, your writing skills, what you bring to the table, and also this entire other layer of us being transparent and uh, the concept of two therapists, you know, talking about their own issues. So that mm-hmm. that wouldn't be there if I was just writing a book by myself. And the honest answer is that the book that, that I write with you would ultimately be better, I believe, mm-hmm. you know, with every fiber of my being, I believe that. And so that was for me when i realized that um i could now easily let go of wanting to write a book by myself because then it's not about me it's about you know reach uh well not reach but it's about other people um yeah the product itself like it's it's bigger than you right and it's going to help more people like are you going to have a are you going to it's more important for me to create a better product than um to feed my ego and say this book this is a john kim book right you know and also for you um, because this is your uh, first book, right? Being a published mm-hmm. author, um, is there something about doing it with me where there's some fear where you're like, ah, oh, you know, do I, you know, are, am I, um, you know, going to be hidden? Um, do I want my first big book, my first book to be co-written? Um, you know, am I going to uh, be heard? Like all of those things. Well, I mean, 
I think it's fair to then give like a kind of a, a top line or like a quick snippet into how this book even really came to be, because I think that was a big fear. Right. And I yeah. think you and I had a little bit of, um, we didn't have conflict because of, we didn't have conflict. Mm, let me reword this. Okay. So when we were first deciding to do this and we were trying to sell it right to the publisher, to your agent, whatever, everybody liked the concept, but the struggle was first they didn't believe that books written by couples did well, right? right. Like they, which, which had, is actually, which is actually true. And which right. I, marketing says, right. right? And, I, and no, but here's the thing. I actually, that's one of the reasons why I'm fired up about this book is because I want it to be um, the first kind the of one book. that <laughs> proves them wrong. Well, no, I want to, I want to, uh, Quentin Tarantino talks about write the movie that you want to see. And I don't like books written by couples, uh, especially therapists, because they're coming at you. And so it turns me off. And so mm -hmm. I want this to be the first book that I would actually buy, you know, yeah. written, written by a couple, you know, and that's the whole tone about. Books. Yeah. And we said that to them, right? Like we, yeah. we said, I think that, you know, without knowing the research, I think that our gut is saying the reason why they've never really done well outside of like maybe the Gottman's because they're very research driven. Yeah. They don't do well because they can be very finger waggy, right? This kind of, right. like you said, right. coming at you instead of with you. And we, we are really against that. So it's, we almost said like, let us take a crack at doing it in a different way. And so, okay, great. They were on board with that. But then the next hurdle we kind of had to convince them of is that I am basically an unknown, right? And you are what your publishers consider a career author, right? Meaning they're going to pretty much expect one book every year or two years out of you until you're dead, you know, and, and they love that and they love you and they want that. And so me coming in as kind of this unknown, they were a little uneasy about it. And we had a lot of back and forths, you know, originally it was like, oh, it'll be a John Kim book. And Vanessa will just be kind of inside as like a contributor. And I was like, well, that's a hard no for me. Right, right. Um, absolutely not. And then the next kind of stage, they were like, oh, well, it'll be John Kim with Vanessa Bennett. And she'll just be looked at as a contributor. And I was still very like, I don't know about that. I mean, I guess I'll do it, but that still does not sit well with me. And wait, real quick, if I could put yeah. a bookmark there, because um, this is, I think, a really interesting um, um, place to go deeper. Uh, how much of that is tied to your story, meaning um, ex-boyfriends? And, and you don't have to say- No, I will get into it. Yeah. I think this is actually a very important conversation. I've told a couple of my close friends this, and all of them have had very strong reactions to- this being really important, I think, to tell people um, as an example of a few things, listening to your intuition, um, proving your story wrong, getting out of old patterns, all this shit. So right. can, can I just insert that the, 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 the reason, um, and this is a fair reason that the publisher uh, wanted this to be a John Kim book is because strictly only marketing. They actually love Vanessa and think she's very uh, qualified, but the, the marketing would be more tricky because they're used to just uh, publishing John Kim books, right? Which is fair. Well, yeah. And, and like they said, statistically, they don't do that well. So I think yeah. it would be a risk yeah. for them, right? right? Sure. That they would need to be willing to take. And so I get all that, like logically I understand, right? Um, and, you know, your agent, who I love as well, was very much like, well, this might be your way into being mm -hmm. published with Harper. And, you know, if you don't take this opportunity, it might be hard to sell you as an author later on. And sure. I really, it's funny because I did not have to sit with this that long. Like it was very clear to me very quickly that I was like, well, then I just won't write a book right now. I'm okay yeah. with that. 
right? right? Like there was no part of me that was like, oh, well, this is my way in. So I have to do it this way. Otherwise I'm missing an opportunity. It did not feel that way at all. It was so resonantly clear in my body that the answer was no. Um, and I had to sit with like, oh, is that ego? And, you know, I have a career coach that I talked to about this kind of stuff. And she was like, that doesn't feel like ego to me at all. And actually my, my best friend today is the same thing. And, um, anyway, you ultimately weren't aligned with it either, which made me feel very good and supported as your partner, because you were super clear about this is her story too. Right. Well, <laughs> um, and also what kind of book would we produce if people are going into it with ambivalence, you know? Right. Um, you know, and then Danae made that point about also in 2021, I think it would be very kind of fucked up for it to be like John Kim and the little woman behind the man, you know? Yeah. Um, but regardless, the point of this long winded story is just to say, I was pretty clear in my, like, this is how I see it happening. This is what I'm comfortable with. And this is not what I'm comfortable with. Um, and I feel like we, not in an aggressive way, but I feel like we kind of stood our ground and, um, made our case. And ultimately they came back and said, okay, we're on board. Let's do it. Let's see what happens. Um, and that's great because, you know, we have people who believe in us and, you know, Hillary, our publisher is amazing. And, you know, Laura's amazing too, and all these things. But I think ultimately I said to my coach, when we were in this process, I have always been the girlfriend standing on the side of the stage, supporting the boyfriend who's front and center. Mm. And, that is both a literal example um, as somebody who is the girlfriend of a pretty well-known drummer for a long time and fiance and whatever. Um, and also just performers. Like I've had plenty of boyfriends who have been performers and, you know, you're, you're an author and, you know, you've got more social media presence than I do and all the things. And so I think that my whole life, I've always been the supporting character Yeah, and I'm, I'm not in that place anymore. Like I'm ready to own my own shit and have my own voice and be unapologetic about it and not be the supportive woman on the sidelines. And this felt like that, like that culmination of that uh, realization, I think was in this book. Vanessa, I don't know if there's enough room on the stage for both of us. So I don't think this is going to work if you want to come on stage with me. I'm just kidding. I knew you were just kidding. I was waiting for you to say that because <laughs> I knew you were kidding. And also, I think this is a really good example of how, especially women, um, we make ourselves small. Yeah. You know, we we have been taught, especially in kind of the heteronormative world, we have been taught that our role is to be the support to our man. Sure. Our role is to stroke our man's ego, you know, fake your orgasms rather than ever letting them believe they're not doing something that you want or doing it right. Right. Like this is what we've been taught our whole fucking lives. It is programmed into us and we are made to feel really bad about ourselves if we unapologetically kind of step forward and, and claim our voice and our knowledge and our, um, offering to the world. Right. And, um, I've always played into that. And I think this is the first time ever that I, I really felt zero shame about being like, no, I have a lot to fucking offer and I should be standing shoulder to shoulder with John on this and, and not just be the one on the sideline helping support and produce the thing. It's a great growth marker, isn't it? Mm -hmm. When you realize that you have a boundary or you have a, this is what I'll do. This is what I won't do. And here's me standing on my truth uh, without apology there's something amazing, there's something freeing about that, isn't there? Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, and, well and I, I feel authentic. <laughs> That's yeah. the most freeing thing that there probably yeah. could ever be. I did that um, uh, many years ago when I got laid off for um, trying to work in a way that was more honest to me. And I, you know, of course yeah. it was, cr it was crushing. Um, but I, I realized um, I'm not willing to sacrifice uh, my truth and where I'm at uh, for, you know, a salary or for, you know, whatever, whatever, the, whatever that uh, it was a treatment center at the time, a fancy treatment center. Um, and uh, yeah, that's kind of the beginning of, well, maybe not the beginning, but that's part of building a, a, a more authentic relationship with yourself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, there's a, there's a quote that um, I'm going to butcher the exact quote. Cause I actually, I think she said it in a few different ways, a few different times, but back in like 2015, 2016, um, Hillary Clinton got shit a few times um, about yelling or about shouting or about mm. like being aggressive. And many times her response was, I'm not actually yelling. It's just that women have always been kind of expected to be quiet. And so when I'm talking clearly and forcefully yeah. and loudly, you think I'm yelling, right? right? Or I'm being aggressive and I'm not. It's just how you culturally, like it's sexism, right? It's the patriarchy. And, and so I think for me, that quote was in the back of my mind, like I'm not yelling. I just, I deserve to be heard and I'm going to say it clearly and loudly and not be ashamed of it. Yeah, and I'm proud of you for that. Um, I think uh, I think it's I think it was an important. Um, I don't know if it was a chapter, but it was definitely an important piece of your story. You know, when you look back at your story and you're playing little highlights, um, mm -hmm. this one definitely is going to be a part of that collection. And I also want to say that um, I don't feel like there's a stage. I was totally joking about that. No, of course. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> you know, I see us um, just, uh, you know, going back to the image of me building Legos. I now have a friend. Um, and it doesn't have to be uh, my backyard. We could be in your backyard. <laughs> it's our backyard, <laughs> but um, we're, we're, we're building shit and that's what it's about. You know, I don't see it as a, because with the stage, then I think of performance and all of that and also pressure. Um, we're just creating things that I think are, are going to be things that we want to share and hopefully help people through all the learnings that we've had um, helping other people in our careers, but also all the learnings that we've had in our own relationships, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And how, you know, when I think back, like how different relationships would have been if I had been a little bit less ashamed of, you know, being loud and being heard and, you know, all my internal struggles with that feeling of being too much and all yeah. of that shit. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I want to bring it back to relationships because I think this is a... a, a uh, just to kind of come full circle. And also uh, maybe we could end with this. If you were to say to yourself, okay, I'm just going to take one for the team. Um, let's not put my name on the cover. I'm not going to fight for that. I'm just, this will be John Kim book and I will be, you know, on the, in the sidelines um, and, and be quiet or whatever. If you were to do that um, now, she is 
setting up a different dynamic in our relationship, right? So um, her decision to do that will also impact our own relationship. And possibly her decision to do that will then now, um, now she'll have anger resentment, um, you know, by her muting herself in the in the career path, it now ripples into our relationship uh, since, since it's with me. Yeah, I mean, you know I think saying? that I, I don't, how do I say this? The difference in our relationship than the other relationships where I kind of played the supporting role is that you and I play in the same arena. Right. Right. So I'm never going to try to compete with somebody who's a professional drummer because I'm not a musician. Right. So I don't necessarily think that I felt a lot of resentment in that other than the fact of like, oh, this is just always my role. And like the realization that that was a thing. You and I play in the same arena. You know, you're older than I am. You've been doing this longer than I have. Um, I think that for not just for me, but I know this happens a lot in relationships. Um, there can tend to be a dynamic where there's then a power differential. Sure. Right. Or like um, almost like you're like a father figure in a way. And that's unhealthy. Personally, I, I do believe like we need to really be shoulder to shoulder partners in everything we do. And I, and I almost feel like this was a way for that to be furthered in our relationship was actually to say like, we have, we're so equal in so many ways and we can learn and support each other. And of course there's ways that we're, you know, more skilled or less skilled or, or can be the supporting person. Like that doesn't go away. But I think for me personally, I've always had this real hunger to have a complete equal partner yeah. um, and somebody who views me 100% as an equal as well in every way. And, and this, I think, is just another um, means to creating that dynamic in our partnership, right? Like, I don't know, that actually excites me. Like, I can feel my heartbeat actually getting quicker when I think of the excitement around having a partner that is just like wholeheartedly an equal and mm -hmm. pushes you in that way. It feels so different than having a power differential in a relationship. I mean, that's the definition of the word partner. Right, right. You know? Here, here's a question that I would want to leave um, anyone listening to this. Do you feel that your partner is an equal, you know, and you have to be really honest with yourself, because as you were saying that I was thinking about you and us and um, yeah, I actually, I can honestly say, I, I see you as an equal. I see you as uh, someone that is shoulder to shoulder. I think uh, we both bring different things to the table. Right. Um, but uh, we're also very different, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, I see you uh, truly as a partner, not, not, um, um, and, and there, there is an age gap and I don't think it's big at all. And Vanessa tends to exaggerate. <laughs> I, um, I'm, I'm a few years older than her, but even that- that doesn't like, I don't see you older than me. I mean, I don't see you younger than me. I don't see the whole like teacher mentor or anything or the father daughter. Um, I know there's a little, you know, um, um, with with age and, and you said in career I'm further, but I don't really see any of that. I just I just see you as an equal partner. Um, and we're just different and we bring different things to the table. And so my, my question is, uh, because I, I may not have, I don't think I've felt that in every relationship. And I know that if you believe in your heart of hearts that you are not equal with your partner, that's going to affect the relationship. It's going to make it lopsided. Um, mm -hmm. So so you may believe that your partner is less than you or not equal to you. 
or you may believe that you are less than your partner. And I've been on both sides. So like uh, early Same. in my early in my marriage, um, my uh, ex-wife was doing really well career wise. And and we were, we started off both as, as kind of starving artists. I went nowhere and she kind of skyrocketed and I felt very um, less than I felt, I felt demasculated, is it demasculated? Emasculated. Yeah. Not, not because anything she did. It's just the thing that I put on myself. And I remember, um, you know, uh, uh, putting on the, the rubber gloves. I've got these Korean, um, red Korean thick, uh, uh, dishwashing gloves that my mom buys me. Pink. I think they're pink. Okay. They're pink. (laughs) And, um, washing dishes with those and then taking the dog out to you know clean up the poop and all that um a lot of a lot of uh um i mean there's nothing wrong with that but a lot of like kind of uh domestic stuff where i wasn't contributing financially and she was you know in on planes and 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 and, and hopping around doing all these amazing projects and i and i remember feeling like what you said um the 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 person on the side rooting and championing her story but not really having uh you know feeling very less than i remember that i remember how lopsided that felt and 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 also that all of that mindset rippled into the relationship and it was you know it wasn't good well i think also you know it's it's important to clarify that partnership can be different to different people right so i'm very career oriented. I'm very, um, yeah, I'm very career oriented. So for me, partnership and feeling equal is going to be more in that arena. And I, and I think you're right when you said we, we bring different things to the table, right? So my skill set is very different than your skill set and that's okay. We don't need to be the same across the board for it to feel equal. Um, we need to feel like we respect each other and each other's differences and what, what we bring to the table. That's important. Um, but you know, to, to question again, to bring it back to the question you're asking people listening, where in your relationship, it, does it feel off kilter? And, and if it does feel off, where can you speak up and ask that person to, to, to contribute more. Right. So maybe it's in the, you know, running of the household. Maybe it's in the interaction with the children. Like I know for me, I can definitely fall into the, like doing more than you do. Um, because it's almost like just the way that I work, right. I was a producer, like, it's just how I am, but even though I'm better at it, it will 1000% lead to resentment if I let it go unchecked. Yeah. If I'm doing more than you are when it comes to the baby and the this and the that, and I let it go unchecked for too long, I will 100% be resentful. And so it's in the little things like recently, I've started realizing when there's big house stuff, right? Like we wanted to replace one of the sliding windows. I say to you, hey, you manage this. Can you get three quotes and like be the one to manage this? And I let go of that control that helps me feel like you are stepping up and, and being a partner in the, the house stuff. Um, and I'm not doing it all by myself. So just as an example, like where can you ask for more from your partner to make sure, or where can you step back a little bit and let them stand up um, so that it doesn't feel unequal? Yeah. Well, thank you for listening. And uh, our book will be out in, in, a, in about a year, maybe sooner. Hey, before you go, if you want to engage with Vanessa or I live, we both teach in the TAT Lab. The TAT Lab is 
live virtual wellness classes all using Zoom. These are not video courses. These are live groups and classes. A team of experts with um, lots of experience and also their own stories teaching everything from healing trauma to uh, Vanessa teaches codependency. We have attachment styles, relationship classes. I do um, something called Ask Angry, and that is basically a giant check-in. We've got book clubs. We've got meditations. Come check us out at TAT-Lab. That's TAT-Lab.com, and uh, get a week for free, and come say hi to uh, me and Vanessa. Mm-hmm.